the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Wow, we had a cold week, didn't we? Minus four degrees on my uh, thermometer outside my house on uh, Thursday morning. My poor dogs, (laughs) they're they're bouncing off walls right now wanting for a a major uh, walk. Anyway, let's start off uh, because it's going to get warm today. Think positively. What would life be if we had no courage to attempt anything? Vincent Van Gogh. There we go. And as always, you know, we refer you to our webpage. Uh, so if you Google Tim Hayes Radio or you Bing it, Tim Hayes Radio, I show up and it says Tim Hayes. And remember right below it says, remember, buy low and sell high. Uh, on that page, there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, the Market Week thing we send out to a lot of people who are on our list. If you'd like to be on our update list, uh, you know, all you have to do is you can call me, 888-223-7742, or email me. Uh, There's plenty of things to say, you know, contact me, email me on the page. So uh, please help yourself there. Uh, Or you can go to WHK1420 AM and email me. Uh, You go directly to my webpage from their podcast. So you go to local podcasts. Go to Tim Hayes and go directly to my webpage from there, too. So a uh, couple different avenues. But uh, Bob Dickey's market, uh, uh, his technical update every day is, is uh, worth its weight in gold, although next week he, I think he's out uh, on vacation, so uh, you probably won't see it. So there we go. Hey, uh, big question. Uh, do you have the old or do you have the new kind of life insurance? If you don't know the answer to that question, you should call me. <laughs> it's that simple. Uh, we have a new newsletter uh hidden gems uh health saving accounts and retirement tax scams to watch out for and know your mutual funds uh you know it's funny i i uh had some people in about uh, two weeks ago and um you know they they had uh, linked up with me on linkedin but by the way i'm on linkedin so you know please hook up with me there if you like um and they had a series of mutual funds that had done quite well uh, back in the 90s and uh, up to about 2003. And then they kind of faded. And uh, what they didn't know is that the guy, the the high-profile manager that they had bought was gone. And the mutual fund company never let him know. Interesting, huh? So you got to watch your mutual funds. you got to watch uh, all your money managers. Uh, I mean, look, there's been a lot of value managers who have not been performing well because value's been out of phase since 2008, 2009. So it's something to think about. Uh, also, if you'd like to, uh, remember, uh, February is Financial Aid Awareness Month. Uh, so if you got a kid going to college, uh, you probably want to, you know, uh, be paying attention to that. Uh, I do a lot of work with, with people 
I probably have uh, 50 people that I'm trying to help get their either grandkids or kids to college. Also, a couple things to, if you'd like to get, uh, our dividend growth portfolio uh, did quite well last year. Our prime income list uh, did quite well. Uh, we have our 2019 best ideas and also our technology, internet, media, and telecommunications conference. Uh, there was some very, very good stuff there. So, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I'm not talking about bonds right now. Somebody asked me that uh, this week. Why am I not talking about bonds? Because the the 10-year Treasury is now down 5.5%. Uh, I mean, 0.55%. I'm sorry. So we were looking at 325 uh, back in October. We're now looking at 268. All right? So that, that's a pretty big decrease. Uh, and that's the same with the long bonds. So I've kind of backed off a little bit. I try to talk to talk about bonds when and if you know, the yields are up. You buy yields when they're up, right? And, and by the way, everybody's trying to top tick yields. <laughs> I'm telling you, yields aren't going anywhere for a long, long time. The Fed has a balance sheet of $4 trillion, and it's going to wind it down to where it was before, which was about $400 billion, okay? You saw what happened this fall when they talked about, you know, raising rates five times plus having that happen at the same time. They took $800 billion out of the market last year and it gets parks in the treasury and never heard of again. So, uh, you got to buy yields. If you're a yield, if you're a bond buyer, you got to buy them when the yields are up. They're not up right now. A couple of things I want to review. The money market funds are off to a bang this year. They're up to $3 trillion. So they're up 10% in assets. That tells me a lot of people are scared out there. It's a best, you know, best time. Look, when the average public is scared, is is when you should be greedy, okay? Just remember that. By the way, I, you know, I, I mentioned this because I mentioned this back in 2003 and four on this show. I said that we would be a net energy exporter sometime in the next 15, 20 years, and now they're reporting it in, in uh, uh, links like Tabula and uh, uh, dot com and things like that. So there we go. So <laughs> we had to... The Fed meeting this week, and I guess the question is, and I, I, I got to admit, Craig Bishop, our lead strategist, had the greatest line I, I've heard. Who is this man? Uh, so who is Fairman, you know, Powell? What, what is he talking about here? He, he goes from five interest rate hikes to one to maybe not any at all. So he talked, he had three key insights. Number one, patience in citing global growth concerns and other issues such as trade, Brexit, et cetera, muted inflation policy. So they're going to be patient. They're going to be flexible. While this can be applied to many aspects of the Fed's dovish stance, it carries the most weight when applied to the Fed's balance sheet. That's the important one. If they start sucking money out again, uh, you know, you're not going to have inflation if you take $800 billion out of the marketplace in a year. And this year it was supposed to be 600. So if they backed off a little bit, you know, they could take 15, 20 years and it wouldn't be a problem in, in Tim's personal opinion. So he, what he's trying to do is, is set up a soft landing. All right. So, uh, and, and the market liked it. <laughs> Obviously it went up 400 points that day. So there we go. But I noticed that, that the diversified, you know, if I looked at all the, um, equity mutual funds out there and I looked for the, you know, what was positive, one, what was negative, it went down to two on the, on the bullish percent. So only 2% of all the mutual funds out there were negative momentum, and that's that's interesting. 
Now, I've been talking about for some time, you know, large caps versus small caps. And I said, you know, we had a report back uh, dated, I can't remember, I don't have a date here. Uh, I think the data was through uh, the end of 2017, uh, and it got worse, by the way, that we were basically one standard deviation below where small caps were in 2007 and 2008, which was historical wipeout period for small caps. And we're actually lower than that because what they did was they started, uh, they had quantitative, you know, they started quantitative easing back then, and now they they had quantitative tightening. So they bounced a little bit and got killed, but they're really three or four standard deviations below where large cap valuations are. So I said small cap valuations would be good, but they wouldn't be good until the Fed stopped using their balance sheet. If they do that, that's the place to be. So far this year, small caps and large caps have been the place, uh, and mid caps have been the place to be. Uh, here's a couple things to think about for 2019. This is from Guggenheim, our friends uh, who, who run a lot of, you know, they run the S&P, uh, uh, run an S&P 500 portfolio. They run the equal weight portfolio also. And here's what they say. There's uh, 10 things. The Fed will pause to start 2019. Just pause now. Stocks will rebound in response to a Fed pause that surpasses and surpass their highs. A Fed pause will allow excesses to become more pronounced. Number four, a historically tight labor market will ultimately call for more Fed head, uh, Fed hikes. Ten-year Treasury yields will rebound as output improves. U.S. economic growth will cool as rising rates weigh on consumption. Recession will be avoided in 2019, but watch out for 2020. And credit spreads will widen as recession fears mounts. Remember, when credit spreads widen, look out. Uh, The U.S. corporate default rate will rise, and U.S. political battles will undermine the confidence and increase risk premiums. So that's what uh, um, we're, we're talking about now. Uh, by the way, I, I talked about the dogs of the Dow. Now, I was talking to my friends at Dorsey Wright, and they have a different names than I do because they have Coca-Cola uh, they're, you know, in, in their list, and I had IBM. Uh, so, But if, if you do the dogs of the Dow, uh, what you can also do is do a covered right strategy or use leaps if you don't want to use a lot of money. Now, I, I do it with the regular stocks. Uh, but the, you know when they're the highest dividend yield, usually that's a pretty good time to be buying them. Uh, you know what I mean. By the way, they also don't have uh, uh, Altria in there, and I think Altria should be in there too. Now here's some developments in the economic uh, or the international equity area. International equities are now in second place in dynamic dynamic asset level investing, and uh, you know domestic equities are in first place but these two assets are now separated by just 38 signals uh, that gap has shrunk since the fall of 2018 when they're separated by almost uh, 80 and international equities passed the bogey check this week so uh you remember i talked about the ee and the efa both looking like they they broke their downtrend line that's positive the emerging markets funds group uh crossover 3 uh so you know dorsey wright has one, two, three, four, and five. And if you're a five for five, you're in great shape, but a three for five ain't bad. Uh, so it looks like, and I've been talking about Brazil, you know, and, uh, but the, the groups that I've seen that have led have been Brazil, Turkey, Latin America, uh, and, and some of the world, the, the international markets. But, uh, you know, there's all sorts of ways you can look, but I mean, the countries I like the best uh, that I've seen, and I, the Dorsey Wright kind of, 
follow this up with me are Russia, Taiwan, Hong Kong, China, and Brazil. Now, uh, First Trust uses Alphadex, which is uh, cash flow stuff, and and you know theirs would be BIC, FBZ, FDT, FGM, and FZ, FSC. I'm sorry. So uh, there we go. Uh, about January, <laughs> you know. When the S&P 500 records a gain in January, uh, it has recorded a gain for the full year 88% of the time, 37 out of 42. The average return for years starting with a positive January is 16.35%. When the S&P 500 is down in the month of January, it has finished down the full ca- calendar year 52% of the time. The average return for years starting with a negative re- January is minus 2.8. The re- Barometer has been right either to the upside or downside about 74% of the time dating back to 1950, by the way. And there have only been 10 really wrong years in which the S&P has logged a gain or loss in excess of 5% in the opposite direction of January's uh, return. So the point is, is we had a really good January. Stay tuned. Now, look, we're pretty overbought, and I'm going to talk about a few things. Uh, but uh, you got to remember, uh, you know, when we're overbought, uh, but we have, you know, the advanced decline line do what it did this year, this this uh, this month. It's usually a good omen. So, hey, stay tuned. If, you, if you'd like to uh, have a cup of coffee, call me, 888-223-7742. We'll be right back. I had the radio on. I was driving. Proverbs 17.22 tells us that laughter doeth like good medicine. It's true. Science has discovered that when a person laughs, their body actually releases endorphins into the bloodstream. These tiny hormones actually increase the body's ability to heal. So here's a question. When was the last time you had a good laugh with your spouse? I mean a really good belly laugh. Hi, we're Jay and Laura LaFoon, and we'd like to invite you to our ultimate date night, where you'll spend 90 minutes with your spouse laughing like you haven't laughed in years. Since 1996, we've been traveling the country using our unique style of marriage edutainment to seamlessly combine humor and biblical truth. So join us and have a great laugh with your spouse. Don't miss the ultimate date night, Friday, March 15th at Church on the North Coast. Get the sitter lined up and make it a date night now. Tickets are available at 955thefish.com. Are you dreaming of something greater? A college degree, job skills, a rewarding career. The Ohio Army National Guard can help you get the education you need to land the career you've always wanted. The Ohio National Guard Scholarship Program could pay 100% of your college tuition. You're eligible for the scholarship as soon as you enlist. Learn more about the many benefits that come with serving in the Ohio Army National Guard. Visit NationalGuard.com today. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard, aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC.
All right, we're back. This is, uh, if you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Once again, if you just heard part of the first part and you'd like to hear the whole show, uh, on Monday at noon, and or is it Tuesday at noon? One of those two days, WHK puts out a podcast for us, uh, and it, and it, um, it, you go to local podcast, go down to Tim Hayes, there I am. You can also go directly to my webpage there. So if you'd like to have a cup of coffee, discuss your retirement situation or your, or your portfolio, uh, you know, my number, my, you can email me, my number's there, the whole kit and kabootable. So I guess the question is, we, we've, we've got past peak growth here. Oh, you know what? I got to stop right there. I forgot. We are having a seminar April 8th at the Marriott, uh, airport. And we're going to bring in, we did this last year. It was a raving success. We had 63 people there. 18 said it was the best, the best, uh, uh, seminar they've ever been to. We're going to have Bob Dickey again. You know, Bob said to be careful last year, big time. Okay. He talked about an 18% gap between the top line and the bottom line. And we were in the top line. Uh, and, and then the guys at Marshfield who finished the year up. Okay. So with the, against the S&P 500, it was like a 7% turnaround and they finished positively while the S&P was down 4%. So these guys are good. Uh, if you'd like to do that, you got to go to my webpage, you know, Google Tim Hayes radio and say, Tim, I'd like to go to the seminar. Or call me, 888-223-7742. Okay, so um, that's April 8th, by the way. Uh, I think it's going to be 7, 730. Uh, we'll let you know uh, more as we know more. But, you know, here we have goodbye peak growth. And, and we're starting to have equity gains. What's that all about? You know, it may not make sense at first blush, but slowing economic growth can and often does coincide with positive equity returns. You know, we got some of the fiscal stimulus waning a little bit. The trade issues continue to provide a headwind for growth. Uh, the momentum of the U.S. economy is supposed to slow in 2019. Consensus estimates of GDP growth project a, a deceleration of about a half a percentage point to maybe two, you know, from the three percent. Uh, look, decelerating economic growth does not necessarily mean bad returns. You know, we had some bad returns in December, but Look, I, I want to point out a couple things. So, you know, we've made a big move here. You know, the, the, the McQuellen summation index was at minus 1100. It's now plus 558. That's a big move for a month. Huge move for a month. And we're right at the 200 day moving average. We're right at the downtrend line for the market. So the question is, will we get through it in a respectful manner? And I sense that we'll probably have to test one more time. So, look, there are times to play offense and there's times to play defense. And when it comes to investing, now we do have the bullish percent in a column of X's, which is a positive thing. But, you know, right at the moment, uh, I think it's time to pay a moderate level of defense on the, you know, put the defensive team on the field. At least don't throw the long pass. Okay. A bump up to market weight deserves a little fanfare, but, uh, you know, it's it's merely lifting the exposure of a benchmark long term you know strategic recommended level, but what we see here is a move uh, from an underweight position that we had on on global fixed income so uh, global fixed income now not domestic so you know I I think you know if we look at the recession risk area you know you got the yield curve the indicator status is is neutral the unemployment claims are expansion. Unemployment rate expansion, conference board leading indexes expansion, 
ISM orders minus inventories are expansion. Fed funds versus nominal growth is expansion. So we don't have anything on the, you know, we're not, inver- the curve isn't inverted yet. Uh, we're, we're expanding. Okay. However, we've made a big move. So look, if you got a favorite stock, you know, put an order in below the market. Okay. Uh, you know, I've got, I've got, you know, five stocks that I'm, I'm trying to buy that they won't go down for me, <laughs> but they will. They, and I think there'll be a bit of a correction now. Look, what we talked about, and 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 Lori Calcivina has kind of been hammering on this. And and by the way, so far this year, it's starting to work. Is value versus growth? If we look at you know a straight line on a page, which is relative performance, growth has been going straight up since two thousand eight, where value's been getting hammered. And it's it's at the lowest level it was uh, back in two thousand when it made a double bottom, and then really dominated the scene until 2008. So it'll be interesting to see. But so far, uh, you know, what we're seeing is uh, mid-cap, uh, mid-cap growth and mid-cap value are equal, and large-cap and, and small-cap are equal. Uh, small-cap growth and small-cap uh, value uh, have, have been, you know, kind of leading the way here. So, It'll be interesting to see, you know, if we continue on this way. But this is the first time. Um, look, value has almost always outperformed growth until recently. And if we look at the rolling 10-year annualized return of the uh, FAMA French value factor, this is one of the first times since 1930s. Well, it was even before 1936 that value has, has underperformed for this long. So uh, there's a lot of names out there that are pretty cheap. Okay, so... But if you look of the performance of a lot of really high quality uh, managers in the value area, uh, they're lagging. And uh, you know, normally these guys are pretty smart. I would suggest really smart. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, they're in these stocks for a reason, and and they see something. And then I would suggest that that's you know probably the case. So, all right, now look. Uh, Right now, I think investor conviction is low, uh, whether you're a bull or a bear. Uh, so it's not surprising given the, the really, vol, you know, savage volatility we saw in December. Uh, I, I think it destroyed the playbooks of a lot of major investors out there, as well as a lot of us. Um, although, you know, in October, we said the bullish percent did tick down. I had cash. I didn't, you know, you never have enough. Uh, at least you don't feel you do. Uh, but anyway, look. It, 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 you know, it, it, the sell off hurt most strategies, okay, from growth, quant, factor base, momentum, you name it. So it's not a surprise for investors to be somewhat unclear. That's why the money market's at $3 trillion. The money market assets are up 10% in a month. And that's big numbers, okay? You went from $2.7 trillion to $3 trillion in a month. That's amazing. So, so look, we, we face the, uh, the visibly weakening incoming economic data right now. And, you know, it, what we find is like Facebook had a really, really good quarter, which, you know, Zuckerberg, I think he's playing with fire because, you know, he, he had like five letters from Congress the week before. So he's kind of playing with fire. And then you had Amazon who, who missed a little bit on the revenue side and they knocked it down four or five percent. So, you know, PMIs are visibly rolling over both outside the U.S., you know, Germany fell below 50, and in the U.S. Re- region, regional PMIs. Uh, most recently, the Philly, uh Fed index collapsed. So it's it's tempting to say that the cyclical dead 
uh, a rally, you know, kind of a dead cat bounce. It could be also the market looking for or looking beyond uh, the accelerated weakness. Okay, so you know maybe the market's already priced it in. Who knows? The current year-to-date move is tracking very closely to post-waterfall decline markets. Uh, and I'll, I'll describe. Well, we define a, a waterfall decline as as nineteen percent more uh, or less than than in sixty days. Okay, so um, it, it's kind of a same pattern. In absence of any conviction, it makes sense for investors to focus on reliable seasonal trades. Okay, uh, eight groups that I you know that our people like are real estate, machinery, soft drinks, chemicals, semi equipment, refiners, and footwear. All right, so there we go. So look the. The big picture is this, as I see it. There's some cyclical, you know, major cyclical lows developing, and I, I don't think it's just going to be a V bottom. I think we're going to come pull back one more time. I expect the pullback to be a lot shallower than anybody's anticipating. That's Tim's opinion. This is Tim's opinion, nobody else's. And I think it'll be shorter lived than anybody's anticipating. It might be scary at first. Okay. So, you know, I guess the question is, uh, the U.S. dollar continues to show evidence of peaking here. So when the dollar goes down, gold and oil go up and commodities go up. And commodities are down a lot. I mean, you know, I could show you a chart to make you shake your head a little bit. Now, as far as groups are concerned, what I'm seeing is both value and growth going up. I'm seeing software, IT services, and med tech. You know, the, the, that's a, those are all good groups. Staples, utilities, and healthcare. uh you know, they are showing some stalling, uh, you know, type of scenario, but uh, we'll see what happens there. Software remains, I think, the unequivocal leader. I got two names that look fantastic. Semis, uh, you know, they're, they're completing some very good cyclical lows, I think. Uh, transports and truckers, uh, you know, rails especially, uh, they're still a leadership group. Transports, uh, well, discretionary. Both casinos and hotels are starting to pick up. Uh, and, and REITs, especially on the industrial side. Um, but look, you know, we're right at the 200-day moving average. Uh, we've made a pretty big move. We're right at some major resistance. I think we're going to have a pullback. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at what they call the quadrant, uh, quadrant balance d- data, which uh, Bob Schleimer from Fundstrat uses quite a bit, and it's fairly overbought short term. Um, and I, I so I think what we'll have here is like a little bit of a whoop-de-whoops just to scare people enough, and then it'll turn back fast. And and you know, you better use. I think you better use the next sell-off to to be fully invested for a while. Now, the other thing I'm seeing is some cyclical lows out there in the international groups, uh, like the EFA, which is the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index uh, for global markets. Uh, it looks like we're making a, a pretty good low there. I, I still th- and the emerging markets. I mentioned that last two or three weeks. Looks, you know, they've broken their downtrend line. Uh, so. That's a big positive. We've got a little bit of a double bottom going on. And the relative performance versus the S&P 500 is reversing the 2018 uh, downtrend. Uh, by the way, Bob Schleimer really likes that group. Uh, Bob's a pretty smart guy. Uh, very smart guy, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and Brazil. Uh, Latin America seems to be leading the way. Uh, Brazil looks fantastic as far as I'm concerned. The 10-year yields are kind of wishy-washy at this point. Uh, they're a little bit oversold. Uh, very oversold at this level, so I think they'll they'll bounce up again. So we'll see some stuff, you know, bounce up. So you know, we do have the. I mentioned the dollar. It looks like we're you know the the momentum continues to weaken. That would be good for gold, oil, most of the commodities. Uh, oil has uh, a lot of support here. Has a lot of resistance now. You know, at the, between fifty eight and sixty four. Um, 
small and mid-cap seem to be leading the way. They're up 14% each, where the, the, the Dow's only up 7, uh, the, the S&P's only up 6.7. I'm also seeing some, like I said, some of those names I mentioned earlier, you know, Russia, uh, the emerging markets, uh, South Africa, I mean, uh, South America, uh, some of the Pacific zones, and even Germany starting to pick up a little bit. And then the groups that uh, look really good are stuff like apparel, auto parts, casinos, uh, home furnishings, home improvement, uh, application software, semiconductors, semiconductor equipment, aerospace, commercial uh, printing, industrial conglomerates, and stuff like that. All right? So, hey, let's take a break. This is the Smart Investor Hour. We'll be right back with the Bullish Percent. WHK Cleveland. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Took a stroll on the old long walk of the day. I met a little girl and we stopped to talk on a fine soft day. And I asked you, friend. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And uh, once again, if you'd like to uh, talk about your portfolio, your retirement situation, uh, you know, we look, you know, what we try to do in this show is we take it from a very large economic standpoint and move our way down until we can use some usable ideas. And, um, you know, we talk about stocks, bonds, commodities, everything, which uh, most of these should be part of your retirement portfolio. As, you know, there's also things like insurance contracts, et cetera. Uh, we talk about those too. So if you'd like to have, a, you know, a review or like to sit down and talk about your portfolios and, you know, how, how can I ever retire, you know, like that type of thing, uh, give us a call. Uh, it's 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. You can also go to my webpage. You can Google or Bing Tim Hayes radio and I show up. Uh, there's all sorts of contact me, email me there. Uh, also WHK 1420 AM. Uh, go to the local podcast, go down to Tim Hayes and from the podcast area, you can go directly to my webpage. Uh, you know, I had two questions this week. Uh, Bert called and, and asked, uh, Tim, you know, you've been mentioning gold. Gold's been positive for a pretty long time. It's 100% uh, overbought. But if you look at the relative performance versus the S&P 500, it broke its downtrend line. And it's right on the verge of breaking the downtrend line dating back to 2016. Now, if we go back further than that to 2011, that line's up. Uh, the GDX now I'm talking about is up a little bit higher. Same with gold. Gold uh, needs to get through 1350, I think 1360 before it breaks its downtrend line. Uh, so you take that information, do what you will. If you're working with me, I'll tell you what to do. If you don't, uh, there we go. I also had several questions about Apple. Uh, fundamentally, you got to do your own homework. You know, we, we broke into a period, a, an area of uh, pretty strong resistance, which uh, ends at about 170. So if we break through there, 
you know, uh, it would be more positive, but I don't have any fundamental opinion and I'm not recommending or not recommending it. So just so you know, even same way with gold. So anyway, the bullish percent has, was designed as a, a risk monitor back in the thirties by one of Charles Dow's proteges. And what he want to do is be bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top. Okay. So, uh, there's this chart goes from zero to a hundred. When you get over 70, that's the red zone. That's when everybody's talking about their portfolio. That's when you should be worried. Then there's periods when we get below 30 and we've just were below 30. We were in the green zone. And I said, uh, you know, you should be buying. Don't get too bearish. I said that, you know, before, before Christmas and after Christmas, uh, I bought some stocks. I didn't buy near enough with the move we just had, but that's the way it works. But right now we're at 37. We're up 2.3%. We're in, oh, uh, we're in a column of X's, which means the offensive teams on the field. When, uh, when, when you're in a column of O's, that's a distribution team. Usually, uh, you have to worry about anything over 50 when you break down into a column of X's. Uh, I mean, column of O's. Uh, distribution happens a lot faster. Remember, we're 53 when we, we said that we went to a column of O's. Uh, back in October, and and that was the day before the Fed speech, by the way. So that that's kind of interesting. The over-the-counter index, by the way, 37 is good field position, okay? It's good field position. So like I said, the pullback, I think, will come, but I think it will be shallow. The over-the-counter index are the smaller names, which had really been beaten up. We're up 1.6 to 33, which is great field position, and they're in a column of X's. And the world index is at 36, and they're in a column of X's, uh, so these are all good places to be buying stocks, okay? Uh, I'm just a little bit pickier, <laughs> and I'm waiting for a little bit of a pullback. But each of the bullish percent charts in the tables it remains in a column of X's, and they're all below 40. As far as I'm concerned, those are good places. The high-low index remains unchanged at 60. So number of new highs are kind of stalling out a little bit, and that's that what's worrying me a little bit. Um, you, you know, I think the key thing last week was uh, we saw the international indexes pass the bogey check. That means that we look at the relative strength of the money market versus the international indexes, and the money market fell to a sell signal. So it's now time to you know time to touch your foot back in the water. International indexes, which I think is very very positive. Um, look, uh, the positive trend also for the New York Stock Exchange index reversed into a column of x's and it was pretty far down there uh you know if it's below 50 it's in great shape so you know we're at 24 25 and so you know when you when you get to the uh when that turns it's it's a very positive uh suggestion for the market i'll just say that it's kind of hard to describe exactly what it is because i I gotta show charts and graphs and i can't do that over the radio so anyway the weekly momentum been positive almost every index on the planet uh, for the last four or five weeks, which is really good. We've been noticing uh, that, you know, we're, we're talking about value versus growth. Uh, recent performance shows a different theme than we've seen for a while. When we isolate uh, the performance to the 23 trading days from the recent market bottom, we can see a big contrast between value and growth. Uh, if you're targeting value and growth stocks, you know, uh, you'll see something very interesting. The largest dispersion is currently between small cap growth and value. The difference is 5.7%. Mid caps are not far behind with a, a performance difference of 4%. So, uh, you know, relative speaking, over the past year, growth has held up much better for large and small caps uh, than value. So there we go. Uh, once again, um, 
you know, we do a bullish percent for all the different sectors. There's 40 sectors. We moved up 2.71% to 35%, so a good, good place to be. We now have uh, six or seven, I'm sorry, uh, favored sectors up from zero <laughs> two weeks ago. Gas utilities are at 45%. Electric utilities are 40 Computers are at uh, 40 and healthcare is at 40 uh, Restaurants are at 34 And then we have two below. Uh, and we talked about this. Uh, pr- precious metals are at 23 And housing is at 23 Now, housing... That was a big, big uh, call by uh, Tom Lee over at Fundstrat. So it'll be interesting to see. But we still have a lot of names underneath thirty uh, percent. Uh, we have banks twenty eight percent. We have chemicals at, at thirty, drugs at twenty eight, finance at twenty eight, uh, household goods at twenty four, media at tw- uh, thirty, uh, both oil and oil surface at eighteen, precious metals at twenty two. Uh, we have steel and iron at twenty uh, twenty six. Non, uh, transports non-air, 30%. So we've got a lot of names out there that, you know, there's a lot of places to go is what I'm trying to say. There's, you know, you can look for uh, ideas almost anywhere. I, I've got more ideas than I, I uh, have money right at the moment, uh, number one. Number two, uh, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for this shallow pullback, and then uh, I'm going to be on board here big. But I, I looked at favored sectors, and and one of the things I noticed was uh, restaurants was uh, you know in a very interesting place, and so wasn't uh, precious metals. And then if I below restaurants were computer, healthcare, and gas utilities, uh, and then uh, real estate investment trusts, especially in the industrial area, have been moving up quite nicely. As a matter of fact, restaurants moved into the most favored status. Housing second. Uh, electronics and machinery uh, moved from unfavored to uh, average and building which was uh, dead last uh, has moved up uh, to second to dead last <laughs> um, I have noticed that the old brick remember the brick trade from 2007 2008 well the brick trade uh, has returned to a buy signal uh, you know there's lots and there's lots of those uh, ETFs out there um, and I've noticed in four or five different one of these uh, I've noticed that they were back to a buy signal so um, you know, the brick trade, just so you know, is Brazil, India, China, and Korea. All right. So uh, there we go. Now, uh, in the developed market area, I've been noticing that, uh, you know, some of the low risk ETFs, which you got to, you know, you got to, there's, there's more ETFs now than I think there are stocks. So you got to be kind of careful what you buy. I'm not telling you which ones you could do or your own homework. Um you know, with the the Federal market, uh, Open Market Committee uh, wrapped up its January meeting Wednesday afternoon, and unsurprisingly, the Fed left the benchmark federal funds uh, target unchanged at two and a quarter to two and a half. The Fed stated that it will be patient with regard to future rate increases and indicated flexibility on the path for reducing its balance sheet. That's very very important. So, what we found there is that the right after that uh, we had equities rally. Uh, and the iShares Barclays Short-Term Treasury Bond ETF broke a quintuple top. Uh, you don't often see that in uh, in bonds, uh, which is a very positive thing, meaning it's probably going higher, uh, meaning yields are going to come down. Municipal bonds continue to lead uh, the fixed income group uh, within the asset class. Uh, that's still the place to be. Um, convertible bonds would be next. Emerging market uh, bonds have had the most improvement in their scores, and same with convertibles and, and preferreds. I've been noticing a lot of preferreds getting called. Uh, I had I had two of them 
that got called, uh, you know, I bought them around 23, 24, and they got called at 27. And 6% dividend yields. So, uh, the preferreds are getting called, which means they think, think, they think interest rates are going lower because they're going to probably put out new ones. Uh, commodities, you know, uh, the continuous commodity indexes have been, uh, positive uh, for four weeks. Gold's been positive for six. Oil for about five. Um, copper for two. You know, uh, the, the, the CEO of Freeport McMoran in the conference call that I listened to last week said basically he thought copper prices were going up a lot more. Uh, the real estate investment trusts, uh, you know, broke over three and a half this week and, and, uh, have really been, uh, a leadership group. Uh, and there's a lot of real, uh, you know, real estate funds, but, um, most of the, the growth I've, or most of the stocks breaking out I have seen have been industrial, uh, ETFs uh, as, as a general, you know, I'm just making a wide statement there. So, and then we talk about relative strength buy signals. Okay. This is important because, what we've done is we've gone from a big economy. We've moved down to ideas that you can use. Now, I'm not suggesting that you use these. <laughs> All right. These have just had positive things happening on their charts. Relative strength is very, very important in, in any kind of technical analysis. And what we're trying to do is trying to put fundamentals with technicals. Usually you make more money that way. Uh, Chipotle, which by our friends, our friends at Marshfield, who will be in town April 8th, uh, that was the biggest question to them last at the last meeting. Uh, most people were down about 8% at the meeting. They're now at 55. <laughs> uh, but that went to a relative strength buy signal. Canadian Solar, GSI Technologies. These have all been showing up on my charts, by the way. Nokia, uh, uh, Quagen, which is biotechnology, and Care Trust REIT. And, and that's, uh, I've, I've been noticing also in REITs, the healthcare REITs have been uh, picking up quite a bit. On the sell side, as Altria Group, now, Altria, I, this is one where, like I said, went to a sell signal, but it's got a 7% yield. I, I bought some around 44, uh, you, you know, just for dividend people, but, uh, natural grocers by uh, vitamin, Vale, Sonola, uh, Corp, and PTC Therapeutics. So, uh, look, you know, when you have a sell, a sell signal, it doesn't mean you go out and sell the stock. You get a review of the fundamentals. Okay. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with insiders. Come and be a part of an extraordinary adventure to Israel. The Stand with Israel Tour with Dennis Prager and Mike Gallagher is happening December 2nd through the 11th, 2019. Join WHK 1420 for a 10-day expedition to the Holy Land that will change your life. You'll get timely insights into Israel's fascinating past, dynamic present, and promising future. Experience the Western Wall, modern Tel Aviv, the Dead Sea, and so much more. All in the comfort and safety of first-class accommodations. December 2nd through the 11th, 2019. Register today. Visit WHKRadio.com. Hugh Hewitt sees a strong case for Trump in 2020. It's going to be very tough to beat, Donald because people like jobs, people like economic growth. Moreover, the never-Trumpers are trapped in never-Trumpism. It's like they dug themselves a deep, deep hole, and the first rule of holes is stop digging, but they can't because they hate him. The people who hate on President Trump just can't get over it. The Hugh Hewitt Show, weekday mornings at 6, right before Bob France at 9, on AM 1420. The Answer. A powerful threat calls for a greater response. Not tomorrow. Not in a few years. But right now. 
Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day, and you can be part of this battle too. Visit StandUpToCancer.org slash American Airlines to learn more. Together, we can save lives. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. Uh, If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And uh, once again, I want to mention that April 8th, we're going to have Bob Dickey, who is our head technical strategist. I mean, last year, if you would have been to that thing, you would have been raising cash. Uh, he was he was pretty fairly negative at that point. Um, and, and then we have Marshfield, who is a money manager this this year. You know, they're not out to hit the home run, but they don't lose money very often. And that's what I like about them. Uh, I think, you know, uh, one time over 2%. And that was in 2018. I think they lost 15%. Uh, you know, if you'd like to see information on them, uh, please do. But it's April 8th uh, at the Marriott Airport. So you have to hit, uh, you have to go to Tim Hayes Radio, hit the contact me, email me, or call me, one of those uh, three. Uh, we're only going to, I don't think we're going to have it as big as we did last time. Uh, we, I think we're going to hold it down to 50. Uh, so anyway, there we go. Uh, now we talk about our, the insiders, more ideas that you can think about. Okay. And, uh, the, ins- the insiders tend to know their companies better than we do. Now, insiders, by the way, tend to be right more than analysts in the long run. Uh, the problem poor analysts have is that they know which are the best companies, uh, but they don't know if their companies or their group are in favor. Okay. Uh, the insiders don't care if their groups are in favor. They're buying because, look, you sell for lots of reasons. You buy for one to make money. That's simple. Now, here's a little biotech. We had several little biotechs this week, and this is called Acogen. And they're working on a sepsis drug, which is one of the one area where nobody else has been, you know, buying. Now, uh, this is a Bob Dugan stock, and Bob got beat up in this one pretty bad. Uh, but he got beat up in Pharmacycles pretty bad, and he got beat up in Varian Medical when it first came out pretty bad. And now he's up, he's made a fortune <laughs> on all those. So uh, anyway, the, this is the chief commercial officer, Janet Dooling. She bought 187,000 shares. There were five buyers of 968,000 shares at about a buck 35. This is down from about 19 per share. So I don't know what that total is, but it's uh, it's enough to make it worthwhile. And then I noticed Visa this week, actually uh, Wednesday. There was nine insiders. They averaged about 1,400, maybe 1,500 shares each. Uh, and it was all pretty much all their top personnel, uh, which I thought was peculiar, you know, particularly interesting, I should say. And uh, so they, the tune of, of all nine together, uh, it doesn't sound like much, 1,500 shares, but it turned out to be 1.76 million shares. And it's, I love seeing multiple buyers, by the way. Uh, and <laughs> here's another one, Zenerba pharmaceuticals uh the chairman and chief executive bought 160,000 shares a little four dollar stock now but all told 
the top, all the top in people bought some stocks, uh, bought stock to the tune of 345,000 shares total at about 450. Uh, the CFO bought 30,000 shares and the president bought 88. So, uh, 345,000 times, uh, 450 is, is, uh, not chump change. And then Richard Kinder of Kinder Morgan, uh, he, you know, he bought 1.9 million. And then on Friday, they reported he bought another 1.85 million. Uh, Kinder's been down for a long time. You know, he, he combined all his companies together and uh, it was not well received. Uh, but he is probably one of the smarter guys in oil, uh, along with the Duncan family over at Enterprise Products, at least in the pipeline business. And PT Therapeutics, uh, which is a name I believe we have a report on. So if you'd like it, you know, you can get that too. The direct, a director bought 2 million shares, uh, after it, it had dropped from about 47, 48 down to the thirties. And then, um, this is kind of interesting because this is the, the, the CEO and president of Discovery Financial Systems, which was 60, or I'm sorry, uh, 80, uh, back in October is now 67. He bought $2 million worth. And he owns a ton. He owns a ton of the stock. I'll just say that. And then I, I noticed a select income fund, the DNP select income fund. AIG bought 66 million shares. Uh, you know, so don't want to know what that's about, but uh, I don't know if they run it or not. And then Selecto Biosciences, a director bought 1.17 million shares. And this stock was 1415 and it had some bad news back in November. It's now 173. So a lot of these small biotech stocks have been beaten up and their their people are buying like crazy. Uh we had Bella Bellarophan Therapeutics, that's B L P H, since I probably blow the pronunciation pretty badly. Uh and there was three directors. One bought five hundred thousand dollars worth, another four hundred, another three hundred and fifteen. So uh, you, you always like to see that. Okay. Now we're gonna talk about what Tim's thinking and uh we'll leave it there. And um look, I looked at the Dow the uh, S&P 500, the NASDAQ, and the Russell. And they all have very similar charts. And look, uh, one of the things that you're seeing on, on a short-term basis is we're right uh, at the downtrend line. And we're at the 200-day moving average also. And we're still making a series of lower highs and lower lows, which is not good, okay? That's not what you want. And so... I, I think you got to think about that right now because we are at a period of resistance. And since I got a lot of calls on gold, if I look at the four-year chart, the, the rally has been very, very strong. And it's several times we've had strong rallies in gold only to stop at the downtrend line. Okay, and the downtrend line is right about 1360. I think if you broke 1375, you'd be okay. And if it does that, that'd be great. Uh it, you know, I think it has to attract a lot more attention, number one. Um, and, and I think, you know, it's going to continue to prove that it's not a hedge against calamity, as some believe. Uh, it, it does offer uh, trading moves that may appeal to more aggressive traders, by the way. But, uh, you know, I think you, you got to break, uh, you get some significant resistance at 1350. If you break through that, you, you know, that'd be great. Now, let's talk about a couple other things. Now, there was a uh, gentleman in my office who pointed out something that the S&P 500 has been moving kind of with the uh, the Baltic Dry Index. And I checked this, and, he, you know, he's he's kind of right. And the reason I point that out is the Baltic, uh, you know, rallied in November into December and then so- sold off and is now at a new low. 
Uh, it was about a month and a, maybe a month and a half in front of the Dow and the S&P. So, you know, we had this rally right up to resistance, which is where we are right now, and then it sold off again. So we'll find out if that theory is good. And then the other thing is, let's, you know, we have the, the McQuillan oscillator, and, you know, it's an overbought, oversold oscillator, and then the summation index, which was a negative, you know, almost 1,200 uh, back at the end of this of uh, last year and is now at a positive 598. I'm sorry, I said 588 earlier. Uh, 538 earlier so it's it's a positive 598 that is just a huge move it's one of the bigger moves i've seen in a very short period of time uh, i think we had one back in uh, 2017 and 2016 we had one and then only to sell off again and and the oscillator's up at 75 it, it was at negative 115 back at the end of the year went up to plus 125 and it's losing a little steam now so that's usually a little, uh, you know, something that, uh, you know, precludes or, or leads, I guess, um, the the rest of the market. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if we go back, you know, to a, you know, somewhere down below zero sometime in the near future. That would be that shallow dip I'm telling you about. Now, the recent pullback in the S&P brought it right back to the longer term rising trend line that we've seen back from the bottom in 2009. So, look, don't be distracted from the big picture. Uh, we've made a big move off that line now, so I think we're going to go down and touch it again. But, um, you know, when indexes, you know, pulled back around 20% in the fourth quarter, which is a big, big move back. I mean, it's, it was our 1987, let's put it that way. So, um, there you go. Now, let's review a couple things that we talked. The 30-day performance, uh, uh, and, and we want to talk about what performed best. So they were, gaming was by far number one, almost up nine, almost up eleven percent. Precious metals up five, building up four, auto parts up four, protection safety up three and a half, non-ferrous metals up three and a half, oil service up three and a half, forest and paper, paper products up three and a half, chemicals up two, restaurants up two. What's interesting is that Chevron and Exxon blew the cover off the ball on their earnings Friday. So here we go. We, we're having that fight between value and growth again, okay? So, uh, you know, what, what do you do? Well, look, I think, uh, you know, if I were a betting man, I, I, I would be looking at strong companies, buying strong companies, um, and I might do a little, you know, sector rebalancing. Like, I, you know, I think there's a lot of money still in technology, and – uh, although I like technology and I, I own quite a bit of technology, uh, you know, she recommends overweighting in the financials, energy, and industrials. And, uh, uh, you know, so there we go. She still is not uh, a big Fang fan, okay? So what do you do now? Okay, so look, uh, I think this is going to be a shallow pullback, so I'd be ready. I'd be looking at the dividend growth portfolio. The dogs of the Dow are still a good place to be, a good place to buy, especially if we sell off a little bit here. We have, I'm, I'm starting to talk about ADRs again, okay? I highly recommend the ADR list. Uh, an ADR is American Depository re- Receipt, so you don't have to pay the, the foreign tax, and you can buy uh, domestic, ec- I mean, international equities here on a domestic exchange. 
Uh, our best idea list uh, for 2019 is a good one, and the small caps I think are be an especially good time. I've been talking about small caps, and I said if the Fed let up on their balance sheet, that would be the time to do it. Okay, uh, the dividend growth portfolio is a great period of time. The prime income list is okay. Uh, there are some names on that list that look really, really good. Okay, a couple themes here. The evolution of interconnectivity, the Internet of Things, you know, remember that. Uh, gold has to break 1350. Uh, we're pumping a lot of oil. <laughs> okay. Uh, insider stock buying surged to an eight-year high just uh, two weeks ago. So those are things you have to think about. So uh, if you want any of that stuff, go, you know, Google Tim Hayes radio. And I show up, okay? And uh, then you can contact me, email me, or call me, 888-223-7742, 888-223-7742. Also, you can go to WHK1420's webpage. Go to podcast, local podcast, go down to Tim Hayes. You can go from there to my webpage. This show will show up, or the the, the, the week show will show up every either Monday or Tuesday at noon. Don't forget... April 8th, the Marriott Airport. We have Bob Dickey, our head technical strategist, and the folks from Marshfield. Be there, be square. Hey, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Have a great weekend. Don't forget to buy low and sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. When rolling over your 401k, it's easy to get lost. Look to the experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors from RBC Wealth Management to guide you through the whole 401k rollover process. It's all part of designing a plan that's tailored to your unique investment needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.